A reading from the book of Exodus. Thus says the Lord, you shall not molest or oppress an alien, for you were once aliens yourselves in the land of Egypt. You shall not wrong any widow or orphan. If ever you wrong them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. My wrath will flare up and I will kill you with the sword. Then your own wives will be widows and your children orphans. If you lend money to one of your poor neighbors among my people, you shall not act like an extortioner toward him by demanding interest from him. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, you shall return it to him before sunset, for this cloak is his only covering he has for his body. What else has he to sleep in? If he cries out to me, I will hear him, for I am compassionate. The word of the Lord. I love you, Lord, my strength, my strength. I love you, Lord, my strength, my strength. I love you, O Lord, my strength, O Lord, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. I love you, Lord, my strength, my strength. My God, my rock of refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Praise be the Lord, I exclaim, and I am safe from my enemies. I love you, Lord, my strength, my strength. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock. Extolled be God my Savior, you who gave great victories to your king and showed kindness to your anointed. I love you, Lord, my strength, my strength. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, you know what sort of people we were among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, receiving the word in great affliction with joy from the Holy Spirit so that you became a model for all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves openly declare about us what sort of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to await his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the coming wrath. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Whoever loves me will keep my word, says the Lord, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. The Gospel of the Lord. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? To give us some context, as we are very rapidly now approaching the end of the liturgical year, this is the 30th week now, there are 34 weeks in the year. The 34th week is always the solemnity of Jesus Christ, King of the universe, or more traditionally known as Christ the King. And let's get a sense of where things have come, how we've come into now as we move towards the end, because this is the 22nd chapter of Matthew's Gospel, and Jesus is in his final days of his public ministry, and now he's in Jerusalem. So if we think about how the journey began for Jesus, when did his public ministry begin? He was baptized in the Jordan River by John. And then from there, he was driven into the wilderness, into the desert, 40 days, 40 nights, where he would experience temptation, testing by Satan himself, three temptations. And if we've been keeping some recollection as to where we've been in these last couple of weeks, this marks the third time that Jesus is being quote-unquote tested by either the Pharisees, Sadducees, or some compilation of the two. And even, you know, last week the Herodians got involved in the party. And so you can kind of get a sense of Jesus wanting to say to them what he told Satan, now depart from me. Enough is enough but he doesn't. 
He takes a question that is a very legitimate question because it wasn't uncommon for the rabbis of the times to contemplate the 613 laws that comprise the Mosaic Code for them to deliberate, to debate on what was indeed the greatest of all commandments. So they're asking Jesus this question for twofold reason. Number one, he has established himself as a teacher of Israel, as a master of the law, as one who has lived and has shown an example that is exemplary. So perhaps this is the way the Pharisees have devised to see, is this man truly capable of teaching the law of God, but also of enabling people, of giving interpretation to people of their lives in the light of the law of God as it pertains to their communion with God, their salvation. So when Jesus responds as he does, he doesn't bring anything that has not been heard before. Just if I were to say to you, isn't this a revolutionary word we hear today? Love God with your whole heart, your mind and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. We've heard that so many times, it's almost whole hum for us. We hear it, we have it memorized for the most part, but putting it into practice, understanding what this means, what Jesus has done. So he's quoting, he's taken from Deuteronomy, Chapter 6, verse 5, which is where we hear the great uh, word of the, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, and so forth. So Shema, this, the term Shema in Hebrew means hear, open your ears, hear this word. The second part he draws is from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. So they, and as much as they have heard these commandments, they know them. No one has ever done what Jesus has done in this moment. He couples the two as one. The greatest is love of God, hands down. Everything emanates from that. The second is like unto the first. In fact, if you do not realize the second, then the first is meaningless and vice versa. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when we understand this great commandment in the context of the Christ himself, but then as we look into the New Testament epistles, particularly of John, First, uh, first John chapter 4, I believe, he says, anyone who claims to love God but yet despises or hates one's brother or sister is a liar. If you are despising the brother or sister whom you can see but profess the love of a God who is invisible to you, then the truth is not within you. So this is in itself a huge revelation, a huge response that Jesus presents. And he says, so much so, this is so great, he says, all of the law, all of the prophets depend on these two. In other words, they hang on these two. 
They are the foundation. One without the other, all of the, no matter how you try to slice it, no matter how you try to put it into practice, if you, divide, if you divorce one from the other, the law is meaningless. The revelation of God is meaningless. So the entire divine revelation of God in the Scripture is boiled down to loving God with everything we've got in loving our neighbor even and above ourselves. Because this is the order of operation. Love of God with one's whole heart, with one's whole mind, and with one's whole strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, and then contend and deal with yourself. This is the rule of life that Jesus models for us and that he has elevated now. This is the standard by which all shall know us as his disciples by our love for one another. To kind of put a little bit of lightness to this, I recently read an illustration of two teachers. One was an older teacher, a couple more years seasoned than the other, and the new teacher was saying that she's about to get married, and so the the older teacher says to the younger one, and says, well, I want to tell you, um, it's going to be hard. For the first, the first 10 years, it's going to be difficult. So the younger one who's about to get married asks the older one, well, how many years have you been married? She says, 10 years. <laughs> Truth of the matter is, love is hard. It is hard. Because what? The whole of God's revelation is meant to draw us outside of ourselves into him. Who is love? And if we love God, if we fall in love with God, which is the objective of the whole of revelation, fall in love with the one who has first loved us, then we're going to naturally assimilate that person's mind. What they value what they care about. And God the Father, knowing how difficult this is, he sent his only son. Surely they will respect my son. And he comes among us. He came among us and remains with us. You know, one of the greatest ways for us to cultivate love for the Lord, to fall in love, to let this reality really, really take over us, Spend time before Jesus in the most blessed sacrament in adoration. We've got First Friday coming up this week, November 3rd. Just sit in front of that host, which, which, which what? Suspends, it perpetuates the moment of the elevation after the words of consecration and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the elements of the bread and wine become what the word says they are. My body, my blood, my soul, my divinity. To just bear witness to that, to sit there and think about, and look at the appearance, look at how he suspends himself among us as bread. Think about how you've seen bread used in your lifetime, how it's been dealt with, what it can turn into if it's left unattended properly. This is the way the Lord has chosen to remain with us. 
And in a way that when you look at a piece of food, when you look at any food long enough, eventually your next desire is to do what? You want to consume it. This is the genius of God. How better for me to get inside of my people what they have so, so for so long tried to, to, uh, uh, to understand at a distance or outside of themselves. What better way for me to get into them what I have always desired but then to feed them my very self. The month of November is coming. It's a month that calls us to prepare for the last things. Death, judgment, heaven, or hell. How many of us have been touched our lives have been challenged and greatly influenced by so many souls that have gone before us marked with the sign of faith. You think back upon, on, on some of the people that have been in your life and my life, you think about when they died and the funeral celebration and all that, and then do we think about how often am I remembering them in my prayer? Certainly we remember them in every Eucharist. That's the beautiful thing of the Eucharist. We always remember the dead who are alive in God in a new way that is beyond anything we can imagine or have seen, but it will be revealed to us in time. Well, actually, in eternity. <laughs> we get glimpses of it in time, though. The Word of God, the mysteries of the faith, give us glimpses of what will always be forever and ever. So let us be resolved today to consider to what extent are we working on putting into practice these two commandments, the first and the second like unto the first, which cannot be divorced from one another. I would dare say that the greatest challenge any of us have is with the second part of what Jesus says. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not so much that it's difficult to love your neighbor, it's difficult to love the person you see in the mirror. Let's be honest. It's difficult to love the person I see in the mirror. Because most of us are living in the past, considering all of our mistakes, how I didn't do this, how it took me so long, what was I thinking, my goodness gracious, what in the world? Or we are thinking about a future that is still not yet born, but it's in the hands of God. If we just pray for the grace to stay in the present moment, allowing God to love us where we are, as we are, we would then realize how it is that St. Paul celebrates the people of Thessalonica when he tells them and he tells us today, you know what sort of people we were among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, receiving the word in great affliction with joy from the Holy Spirit, so that you became a model for all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. It's amazing how much of the teachings of Jesus, particularly as we draw nearer to the end of this journey, 
which starts anew once he rises from the dead. It's amazing how much of everything our Lord spoke and showed us emanates from the baptismal font. After one is baptized, the white garment is given. See in this white garment the outward sign of your Christian dignity. With your family and friends to help you by word and example, bring that dignity unstained into the everlasting life of heaven. And as essential as that is, what is really paramount to the whole celebration is what happens before the pouring of the water or the person is immersed in the waters. And that is when the priest or the deacon petitions or inquires of the parents, what name do you give your child? Kyle, Vincent, Dave. What do you ask of the church for your child? Baptism, salvation, faith, eternal life. In asking of this, in asking this of the church, do you understand your responsibility? Yes, we do. And so the minister, in the name and in the power authorizing them to do so, takes the thumb, traces the sign of the cross on the child's forehead, the sign of our salvation, claiming them for Christ, inviting parents and godparents to do the same. So in essence, from that point forward, the whole of the parents, the whole of the entire mystical body of Christ's responsibility to anyone who is born again of water and spirit is to relate to that person, to convey to that person, to do the best we can, to teach them through word, but especially example, what it means to be claimed by God the Father in Jesus Christ, his only Son. This is the mission of the Redeemer. This is the mission of of love imparted to us. Let us pray for one another sincerely from the heart as we approach our blessed Lord yet again. Let us beg him for the grace that we need to become what we receive. Love the same yesterday, today and forever. God love you.